Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Studios. This is KRZI Waco, K222DC Waco, K265DV Temple, ESPN Central Texas. All right, welcome back. This is hour two of the program, game time here on ESPN Central Texas. Our five o'clock hour is a service of VersaLift Southwest, a time manufacturing company currently hiring hydraulic, electrical, and service technicians. All openings start at $17 an hour or more, and you can apply at 7601 Imperial Drive. Tom Barfield, Ward White, Aaron Sexton, we're glad you're with us. And we welcome into the program from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, Shehan Jayaraja. Good afternoon and, and a happy Labor Day to you. We appreciate your time. Hey, well, I actually have to make a, a correction for you. I actually have switched jobs in the last couple of weeks, and I'm actually now working at CBS Sports. Are you really? Well, congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Don't worry. I'll still be covering college football for them. I'm working as a national writer for them. And, and uh, it doesn't matter where I work. I'm always happy to jump on the program with you guys. Hey, so so what? kind of give us what you're going to be doing for CBS. Yeah, so I'll be working as a national college football writer. So a lot of the same stuff I was doing already, but obviously just on a, a more national scale. So it's, it's exciting. I mean, I'll still be doing plenty of columns and features and all that sort of stuff, and obviously working with the tremendous uh, national news team over at CBS Sports. Well, let's dive in and talk about some college football, and we'll begin with your alma mater. What did you think about uh, Saturday night and the Bears' win over Texas State? Yeah, I, I understand people who kind of look at that final score and are a little underwhelmed, but really when I look at what Baylor was trying to do in this first game, I, I think that they did a really good job. I mean, I, I think that talking to Jeff Grimes over the offseason, the biggest thing that's unknown about this wide zone offense is how it's going to look when you're playing against live competition. You can simulate some of that in practice, but it's not quite the same thing, right? And so I think in this first game, they really wanted to get after it, running the ball, running a lot of wide zone action. And so... I think that they were conservative, but I think that they were conservative purposefully. And I think that you look at what they were able to do, being the top-rated offensive line by pro football focus, when you look at 200-yard rushers, when you look at Tress Nebner being one of the, the national leaders in broken tackles. I mean, this is what they were trying to do in this first game. And, yeah, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't always nice. Obviously, that broadcast wasn't necessarily the best broadcast that's ever been broadcast. But I think that they accomplished what they were trying to accomplish. And defensively, there were a, a couple of miscues that I think are a little concerning. But I don't think it will be anything to be worried about long-term uh, as long as that defensive line keeps coming along. So definitely a, definitely an inconsistent performance. But I think that they got everything that they needed out of that game. Do you think that they may have been playing it a little bit, and it sounds like it, that they may have been playing a little bit close to the vest? Because, look, it's it's early. The opponents you have, you don't want to lay all your cards on the table, do you? No, and I think that's a huge part of it. And I think just another part of it, too, is, again, like just getting live reps. That, that was a huge part of this, especially with that running game. I think that the stat was that they ran the ball on 66% of plays. And it's not because they don't trust Gary Bohannon. It's because I think that they really wanted to see, hey, when we pull this guy here, how does he react? When we open up this gap here, how does the running back react? And so I think that they were really able to do that. And I think that also even when they had opportunities to pass the ball, they didn't go super deep except for a couple of shots that, that really I thought Gary Bohannon looked pretty impressive doing it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that we got to see, hey, he can throw to that opposite side hash, which is something that we haven't seen in a couple of years. That He's able to really stretch the field. You always hear about these NFL throws, and you really saw that on display out there. And so when you do, I mean, I don't think we're going to see this week necessarily against Texas Southern, but when you start going against some of those better teams, when you start going against Big 12 teams, especially against Iowa State, 
you know, to open Big 12 play. It's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how they kind of react to that. You, you know, the only thing that, that I was hoping to see, and, and maybe it comes this week as they continue to grow, is finishing drives. Uh, we were talking about it when, when the game was 24-13. to 13, You're driving, you're inside the 10. That's one where you got to go put that in the end zone, make it 31-13. Instead, it was they, they settled for a field goal to make it 27-13, and immediately Texas State goes and scores. And now you're late in the fourth quarter. I get it, but it's a one-score game, and they're still in the football game. Yeah, no, and that's definitely going to be a huge part of it, and that's going to be something that comes with time, I think. I think that one thing that is definitely interesting about this wide zone system is that it is a very lateral system. You are trying to go left to right, or you know, you're trying to kind of break your way that way, and when you get into those red zone situations, I think that that could, in the short term, until we know that Gary Bohan can make those tight window passes, that, that could end up being, uh, you know, a little bit of a disadvantage versus some of that inside zone stuff that a lot of teams run when you're going really straight up the middle. I think that they're going to work that sort of thing in. We actually saw during one drive, we saw Baylor go to like sort of an eye formation look on third and short to be able to kind of get some physicality in the game. I think that Dylan Doyle was actually back there at fullback. And so Mm -hmm. I do think that they're going to come out with a couple different looks. And I I think that that's going to help long-term, but yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. You need to to punch those opportunities in and they settled for several field goals and and obviously weren't always successful with those field goals. So that'll be definitely, I think, part of the film study this week. And and I'm definitely curious to see how they kind of react to that. Another game in the Big 12, Texas gets the win at home against Louisiana College. Were you surprised that, that the offense was as crisp as it was for the Longhorns? Yeah, I was, I was very impressed, especially against this Louisiana team that actually is number one in terms of returning production nationally. So this is a team that's played together a whole lot, that executes at a really high level. Last year, their only loss was to Coastal Carolina, who went undefeated. So this is a really good team, um, and, and I think that Texas – looked like the better team and looked like the better team for the vast majority of the game, which which is impressive to me. And the biggest thing that I'll say about the way that Steve Sarkeesian used this offense is I think that he did a really good job of featuring both his running back, Bijan Robinson, and his wide receiver, obviously, uh, Jordan Whittington. And even though those were kind of the two only consistent guys on the offense, he did a really good job of finding ways to scheme them open, which is something that we've really seen Tom Herman struggled with during his time at Texas. And so when he was able to do that, you know, he swings uh, B. John Robinson out to the flat, and all of a sudden Jordan Whittington has that middle of the field open and vice versa and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was really impressive to me how he managed to do that. Now, if Big 12 teams start to realize, hey, these are kind of the two guys that they're going to, I, I think it's going to be an issue for them. So we are going to need to see some of those other guys step up. But, but offensively, I was pretty imp- impressed. And defensively, I, I thought that they generally held their own. I thought that they did a good job of being disruptive on the defensive line. Uh, so, look, I, I don't know what it's going to look like when you're playing against Big 12 teams that are familiar with your, pers- with your personnel and definitely can compete in terms of, like, uh, straight-up talent, I guess. But it'll be definitely interesting to watch how this team continues to develop. Let's talk about a couple of other games in the Big 12 that were, to me, interesting for, for several reasons. Number one, the Kansas win at AT&T Stadium over Stanford. And then the Oklahoma game with Tulane. Tulane hanging in there and fighting to the, to the very end. Yeah, well, with that Kansas State game, I, th- I think that I expected Kansas State to win the game coming out, but they were very, very impressive. I mean, this is a Stanford team that has really made the last 15 years of their identity built around being physical and being tough. 
and Kansas really kind of beat their butts in a lot of ways. And it, you look at Deuce Vaughn, I mean, he has really grown, I think, as a player. Uh, he did a really good job of trying to of finding opportunities in the run game. Uh, they did a good job of kind of angling him in the run game as well, so he was hitting that edge. And and uh, and Stanford didn't have guys that could keep up with him, which was, I think, very impressive. And then you talk about that Oklahoma-Tulane game. I mean, to me, I, I know that a lot of focus is going to be on the defense for giving up 35 points, but to me, it was the offense that was more concerning. I mean, they only score, they scored 29 points in the second quarter, and they only scored three in the second half combined. So I, I think that there's a little bit of concern about consistent offense. And, yeah, I know that, we're, you know, Spencer Rattler is obviously the big story on that offensive side of the ball. But one thing to me was their reluctance to use their running backs. They only have two kind of clear scholarship guys on the roster in Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks. Both of them looked really good when they touched the ball. But I'm really curious. I mean, if they don't feel like they have a third guy, they lost a lot of guys over the offseason due to attrition. If they don't feel like they have a third guy and if they're reluctant to run the ball, it's going to make Spencer Rattler's life really, really difficult as they get into conference play. One big game in the top ten, or several big games in the top ten, but the biggest one that stood out to me, I got to catch the uh, the last part of this game on the way home out of the press box, saying Georgia and Clemson, were you expecting a defensive battle that we got on Saturday night with those two teams? I was expecting a defensive battle, but I don't think that anyone expected zero offensive points heading into the fourth quarter. So it was a really impressive performance by both teams. I mean, the funny thing with Georgia is that they lost – probably seven starters, I think it was, on the defensive side of the ball. But they're just, they're just a machine, man. The, the way that they recruit is obviously, I mean, they are up there in that uh, in the Alabama-Ohio State category in terms of recruiting. And I think they do such a good job of rotating guys. So, so many of them are ready uh, whenever it's time for them to come into the game. And, and so, yeah, they lose six or seven guys to the NFL, but it's really just kind of same old, same old. And especially their big nose tackle, Jordan Davis. I think he did a really good job causing havoc for that Clemson offensive line and same the other way I mean I think that Clemson obviously we knew that they probably had the best front four in all of college football and it looked like it on Saturday night Uh, but but look as we head into the playoff race this is huge for Georgia because I think that this kind of win means if you are going against Clemson in the last week of the season for a spot in the college football playoff you have a tiebreaker because you beat them early in the year so even if you lose the SEC championship game against Alabama, I think you still have a really good shot to make the playoff. And even for Texas A&M, if Texas A&M is kind of in that sort of place where, hey, you know, you go and let's say that Georgia goes whatever, 13-0 and and wins the SEC and A&M was the team that comes out of the West. I mean, I think that you have to feel like that team is still going to potentially make the college football playoff. So, yes, Georgia, I think, is a huge winner this weekend. But on top of that, I think the SEC's path to putting two teams in the playoff is probably as easy as ever. Did you hear Kirby Smart's comments after the game? It kind of sounded like he was throwing a little shade at Clemson, basically saying, yeah, we didn't play our best, and we still won. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real testament to what Georgia has done there. I I mean, I think that we have overreacted, I think, big picture a little bit to, to Georgia and their struggles just because they happen to play in the same conference as Alabama. If they played in any other conference, I think they would have been in the playoff, obviously, probably half a dozen times by now. And so... This is, I think, a little bit of a, an opportunity for Kirby Smart to flex and say, hey, we got a good program that we built over here. We've had great opportunities. We had, you know, we were an overtime away from a national championship just a couple of years ago. We've done everything the right way. We just have happened to not win the national championship. And so 
heading into this year, now Alabama does look like this crazy, you know, monster like they always do, but <laughs> I think that Georgia has as good of a chance as they've ever had to be able to go and win that national championship. And the reality is they're not going to be playing a front four like Clemson every single week. They're not going to be playing a secondary like Clemson has every single week. So I don't think that the offensive issues are going to keep up. I think that they're going to have a lot of time to get those worked out. And, uh, and yeah, I'm very impressed by what I saw defensively from Georgia, and I can't wait to see what they look like in the rest of the conference play. Shehan, the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish went over Florida State last night, 41-38 in overtime. And, and, you know, okay, good. But the story for me was the uh, was the kid Mackenzie Milton and coming into the football game, you know, after the the starter goes down it, it, and doing what he did, it was just amazing. Just I mean, that's what that's what's so cool about college football is you have stories like this. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, this kid Mackenzie Mills, for people who don't know, who maybe don't follow the sport nationally quite closely, like this kid was guy at UCF. You remember those UCF teams that went undefeated for two years straight, named themselves national champions? Well, he's the guy who really electrified them to that point. In a lot of ways, he's the guy who got Scott Frost that Nebraska job, right? And so when he went down, I mean, especially in a bowl game when it's so close and you have an opportunity to finish two straight undefeated seasons, it was just such a such a bummer, such a bummer. And you hear all this stuff about, man, people who have had this injury have literally lost limbs before they've literally had their legs amputated before they've never come back and played college football or any sport at a high level like this and so i if if there's one guy who i wouldn't have bet against to come back from this it is mackenzie milton just because of how special a quarterback he is how special a player is and how special a kid he's been and it's just so gratifying to see him do it on this giant national stage and i know that we couldn't quite get the disney ending with uh with florida state pulling the huge upset over notre dame but uh, still, I think that there was a lot to like. And, and I don't want to reduce this also to just being a feel-good moment. I mean, he looked really good when he came into the game after, uh, you know, play, not playing the first three quarters. Uh, he came back and really spurred that comeback in so many ways. So I definitely think that uh, that Mike Norvell needs to look really long and hard at whether Mackenzie Milton needs to be his starting quarterback. And, and the other thing, too, is that I do think that Florida State you know, top to bottom just looks a lot better than they've looked in a couple of years. So it'll be something interesting to watch, and I definitely hope that, uh, that Mackenzie Milton continues to have a great year. Speaking of Disney, uh, let's go to Los Angeles. In uh, last game, I want you to talk about UCLA and LSU. Uh, that's a good win for Coach Kelly's team. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I think that a lot of people just wondered with that game. I mean, yeah, UCLA's kind of been building the last couple of years, but – they don't have the signature win, right? And LSU, I mentioned those teams that recruit at that top level. LSU has been one of those teams, especially ever since they won the college football playoff in 2019. And so for LSU to come out and not just beat, or sorry, for UCLA to come out and not just beat LSU, but to really, really take it to them and win by double digits in a game that probably wasn't really even as close as the final score. I mean, that was impressive. I thought that UCLA could have won the game, but I didn't think that they were going to look like the better team to that extent. And it's a real testament, I think, to what Chip Kelly's done over the past couple of years because he came in, and the reason that he took the UCLA job instead of some of the other jobs, the better jobs, I'd argue, that were available, was because he had an opportunity to do it his way. He said, I need this, I need these facilities, I need these investments, I need this and this and this, and I need this amount of years before I can really be judged. And UCLA gave it to him and they gave him the money that he needed. They gave him the support that he needed. And I think that it's gratifying to see that, you know what, 
when they've invested, when they've recruited at a high level, when they've continued to develop, it's starting to pay off. It's starting to pay dividends. And there's so many coaches in college football that have had success, you know, been innovators a couple of years ago, and they come back, and it's just not the same for them. And, look, I don't know if Chip Kelly's necessarily found his new innovation as yet, but I think that he's done a great job of adjusting to the game. And, and this is a big moment for the program, not just in terms of this season, but I think in terms of legitimizing what this UCLA program wants to be long-term. So especially with the rest of the Pac-12 really struggling early in the year, there's no reason that UCLA can't be a team that competes for the Pac-12 this season. Sean, we appreciate your time. Tell us uh, what you're working on and where can we find you now? Yeah, you can find all my work now at cbssports.com. Well, it's still real early. I'm not working on anything super-duper exciting, but make sure and follow me on Twitter at Jahan Jiraj and, and find all my work at cbssports.com, and uh, we'll make sure that uh, that you hear about all of my uh, comings and going. Sheehan, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. That's Sheehan Jayaraja from cbssports.com. It is a 518.